0: Well, you, you know when we have a technical difficulty on the slide and it's the gospel song, it's a good thing Brad reminded us this morning that we need to know the gospel so well inside and out in our own lives so that we can communicate it effectively uh, to our neighbors because uh, sometimes those glitches will happen and sometimes when you want to go and share with a neighbor uh, you're not going to have your Bible handly, handy and you're not going to have those things and actually songs like that uh, are a great opportunity for us to rehearse the gospel in our lives and in our minds so that we can share with people about the holy God who in love came to take uh, our blame so that in him we might live again. Uh, so, so perhaps that was just a great little test for us and a great reminder uh, that we need to know the gospel uh, we need to know the gospel well. So I figured last week, since I had to preach one of uh, Tim from Tim's message notes, and that went well, tonight I'm going to do something completely different as well. Uh, and I'm going to actually trust the guys at the sound desk to advance my slides. I always feel like I have to be in control of that, um, and I need to have that little remote in my hand um, and, and to do that. And, and really, this is my subtle way of reminding them that I, I didn't tell them ahead of time that they're advancing my slides for me, and they usually do. So that's just a neat little way that I hope that I snuck in there. Nobody even noticed, I'm sure, uh, that I did that. So our theme for this month is compelling community. Uh, and next Sunday morning, we're really going to spend some time unpacking that and trying to help us to understand what that means. Uh, But if you've even looked at our slide that Ethan designed for us, uh, hopefully you're you're beginning to get the idea that we need to be a community that as we we reflect the love and the character and the nature of Christ, that we will be magnetic, and that our church can be the kind of community that will draw people into a relationship with Christ uh, because of who we are and how we live out our faith Uh, day to day. But this evening, uh, we're going to explore how being a compelling community relates to the Lord's (coughs) Supper and celebrating communion together. We're going to see the direct link between the kind of community that we are, the kind of community that God has designed us to be, and the fact that we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. The Lord's Supper is directly at the heart and the purpose of God's intention For the church what we celebrate tonight in what Christ has done for us and the reason that we remember this is because of the amazing grace that God has bestowed on to us and so this community theme that that we're going to be unpacking and and, and tying into uh, the Lord's Supper we're going to explore that just very briefly uh, in Ephesians chapter 3 We're gonna be looking at verses eight through 10, but in in reality, we're really gonna focus on just verse 10. And in these verses, we will see God's ultimate purpose for the church. And if it's God's purpose for the church in general, then it should be our purpose for us as a church, as a local body of believers. And after we look at the purpose that God has for us, we're gonna explore what that looks like in our lives and in our community together, and we're going to relate that to communion. So in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is talking about the mystery of the gospel. He's talking about the amazing grace of God bestowed upon us. And beginning in verse 8, we read, To me, though I, has been given to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plain mystery the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul tells us that God's grace was given to him to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, the unfathomable grace of Christ that we sang about this evening, and to bring to light to everyone what is the plan of God. And that plan was hidden for so long, but it has been revealed in the church. And so, how has God chosen to reveal that plan is very important for us. He has chosen to reveal that plan. In verse 10, we see, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to all the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The church is to be the vehicle, the conduit that God uses to declare his manifold wisdom. Not only to all people, but it's really amazing in that that passage of scripture, it says, even to the hosts of heaven. His manifold wisdom is his plan to glorify himself. The plan that he came up with. eternity past to send Christ to die for our sins so that we might be able to live with him and forever bring glory and honor to his name that is his manifold wisdom and his plan is to make that known through the church and so tonight in our time together we're going to review God's manifold wisdom his great plan for us that we are supposed to be a community that reveals that to the world because that's what he's called to do. Our first point that I want us to explore tonight is that our God is a relational God. In fact, the triune nature of our God reveals and demonstrates that he is a relational God. The triune nature of our God demonstrates that he is a relational God. God. We, we see, even in, as God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and God the Son are involved in the different aspects of our world, from creation to the plan of Christ's redemption and, and dying on the cross for our sins, we see that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were all uniquely involved in those plans. And we see that when, when Jesus, we, we have the privilege of seeing that when he was on earth, He had this desire, this strong desire to continue to have that relationship with his Father. And when the crowds would press in and he was humanly spent, he would seek the quiet solitude up on a mountainside and have time alone in prayer to his Heavenly Father. Even Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh, demonstrates for us the desire to have relationship and communion with his father, And then he also demonstrates his willingness to be obedient to the Father's will. So there's, so there's this relationship that we see in our triune God all throughout Scripture. God is a relational God. And from the time that he created human beings, God's desire was for us to be together with him in relationship. God created us and placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden so that they could have a relationship with him. You see, on the other side of the world, we have a people group, the Korah people group, that our Craig and Shelley are working with. And they have no idea about who our God is. They have no idea that from the time that God created mankind, he wanted to have a relationship with him. They had no idea that Adam and Eve would sin and break that relationship and break that fellowship and break that communion and break that closeness that God wanted to have with them. But they've been hearing that, good news, that news for the first time. And they've been seeing their lostness and they've been seeing their brokenness. And they've been seeing that, that God, because he did want that relationship with Him that He had promised a Savior. And they knew that someday God would restore that relationship with them. You see, that's what sin does. Sin breaks fellowship. Sin breaks community. Sin breaks relationship. But God wants to be in relationship with us. That's why in eternity past... He chose the plan of redemption that he would send his son to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's what happened on the cross. God worked out his perfect plan for us. All throughout scripture we see that our God is a relational God. And he wants his people to be a relational people. When he created us he said it's not good for man to be alone. And in fact, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, a passage of scripture that gets shared very frequently at wedding services, it tells us that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone... Two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And in wedding services, many times they, they point to that and say, you know, and that's why we need to keep God at the center of our marriage. And it is so true. Even in the most intimate human relationship that we can have here on earth, our relational God has created us to involve him in that relationship. God desires to have a relationship with his children because he is a relational God. And if we have that relationship with him and we are his children, then as God's children, we should want to be together in community. That's our second point this evening that I want us to think about. If our God is a relational God, we need to understand that as God's children, we should want to be together in community. That's at the heart and the center of what we're going to really be talking about this month. That what we do together is so different from what the world has to offer. You see, there is a relational purpose for us coming together as God's children in community. When God calls us together, It is to worship Him, but it's to come together as one body and exalt Him in a way that we could not do as an individual. God calls us to come together in a very specific and unique way that is so much greater than I could do on my own, than I could do with my family at home, than I could do while I'm working. He does call me to glorify Him in all of those things as well. But he says this, coming together as a church, meeting together as the body of Christ to exalt and honor his name, there is something unique and special about that. That's where we come to use the giftedness that he's given us, whether it's serving. If your gift is serving, you should come and be part of the body and let let yourself serve. If your gift is encouraging and building up, You need to come and be part of the body to do those things and to use those gifts. Because in that, that is where we build relationship with one another and exalt, God, if your gift is giving, you should come, be part of the body and give and give and give. Use the giftedness that that Christ has given you. And you know, whenever we talk about community, it's really easy to default to some passages of Scripture. I will, I'll be the first one to tell you. The one that I would default to all the time is Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, where it says, "...and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good, de- good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." It's a very common passage of scripture for us to talk about when we're talking about getting together as the body of Christ. And the reason it's so useful and so well used is it is a simple exhortation from God's word that he wants us to come together as this community. He wants us to draw near as brothers and sisters in Christ to exalt and to honor him. And so we can use a passage like Hebrews to say those things but the reality is is that if you look all throughout scripture over and over and over again you will see passages of scripture that demonstrate that our relational God wants us to have a relationship with one another that he wants us to be encouraging one another to be building one another up to be rebuking one another All throughout the entire Bible, there's hundreds of passages that talk about our need for one another, that talk about our reason for gathering as the body of Christ, that talk about the purpose of having this Christ-honoring community together. For instance, and these are not going to all be on the screen. Uh, If if you want a list of them, they are in the notes that you can get uh, at the back of the auditorium. If you didn't get one, you can get one on the way out but they 're not even going to be listed on the screen because I just want to go through these fairly quickly to just show you a snapshot that from the Old Testament from the New Testament, from epistles from wisdom literature there's all sorts of scriptures that point to our reason for needing one another proverbs 27:17 as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another We know that that as, as believers in Christ and as believers in the most High God, we should be sharpening one another, challenging one another, honing one another's skills to use to to glorify and honor the Lord. Or Philippians 2 verses 1 through 5. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, if, if, if you are in Christ and you have a relationship with Him, and if you get Any of the blessings from your relationship with Christ, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry and conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, the ability to do these things is yours. You have the ability to have unity. We have the ability to have like-mindedness. We have the ability to think think of others more highly than ourselves, to esteem and to value them more than ourselves. We have the ability to do those things in Christ. And that's why we need to gather together in this unique community. We have passages that talk about the body in the New Testament, whether that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's, there's many others, or Ephesians four eleven and 12, where it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, he gave different roles and responsibilities to his church so that we could build up the body of Christ. Over and over and over we see these things. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are commanded to not live for ourselves, but to live for one another repeatedly in the scriptures. We are called to humbly give our lives in service to one another and to develop these relationships so that we can can exhort and encourage and rebuke one another. Repeatedly we are told that we don't gather together to meet my needs but we gather together to meet the needs of others around us and we must be that kind of community. We must be that kind of community because when we live the way God commands us, we will be a compelling community. When we live the way that God has commanded us, we will be a compelling community. But we have to be careful. The point is not the community itself. The point is God. The community is merely the effect. As Brad mentioned to us this morning, Some of these things, it was assumed that people who have been changed by the grace of God would want to impact the world around them. It was assumed that people who have been demonstrated the grace of God would want to tell others about it. So the point isn't Gathering together and and having times of rah-rah fellowship. The point is being the kind of community where we can come together, use our gifts, serve one another, and be so unique and different that the world wants to know about that. And in fact, uh, you, you always have to be a little careful when you have a guest speaker come in for a month like this. I was actually going to preach tonight for the Lord's Supper time, from Acts chapter 2. And then Brad decided that that's what I got his notes at least early in the week, so I knew that that's what he was going to share on. But it's a perfect passage for us to talk about community because that's where we began to see with the Holy Spirit indwelling the brothers and sisters in faith that they were coming together, that they were sharing life together, and that they were having an impact on their community simply by the way that they were living their lives with one another. And that's what God continues to want for us. We, we shouldn't say that well that was for them and now it's a different time. God still wants us to come together as a community in Christ and impact the world around us by living for Him. It's not going to look the same way that it did back then. But it needs to have the same purpose, the same principle. We are the church, and we must live in such a way that the world wants to know the difference in us. You see, ultimately, it's not about just the community that we create. The community that we create is a byproduct of Christ's love in us. And that is something that the world can't get from any other community that it may create. It may try to create baseball teams and soccer teams and it may create music groups and it may create mom groups and dad groups and kid groups and play groups and workout groups and all sorts of things to try to get the kind of community that it seeks. But the real community that they're longing for can only be found in Christ. In fact, Julie and I talk frequently, there's a new fitness fad called CrossFit, And maybe you've heard about it, maybe you haven't. You know, there's nothing really new under the sun sometimes. But the difference in this workout fad is that it tries to create community. And it's like coming together for mutual encouragement and and all those different kinds of things. And it's having like huge success. There's no fancy, you know, you don't need any fancy equipment and those kinds of things. But I believe that the success that they're having is because... There's men and women in this country that are longing for deep, meaningful relationships because our relational God created us to be that way. And we need to be that community for the world. We need to be that community amongst ourselves so that God is reflected to the world. Our third point this morning or this evening is that the compelling nature of community done together in our difference I want to be very very cautious here it's not that we need to have unity meaning sameness everybody thinks unity means sameness and sometimes even as believers in Christ we fall into that trap but if we look around at one another it's easy to see that we're not all the same if you look around this room on a Sunday morning we are not all the same We have some young, we have some old. We have some educated, we have some like me that seem not so educated. We have people that work in white-collar jobs, people that work in blue-collar jobs. And the reality is, is that as the body of Christ, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. In fact, God is most glorified by a diversity among the believers. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when we come together, it's not simply because you all love each other so much. It's because in Christ, we are called to come together as his children. That's the beauty of the Lord's Supper. It brings together sinners who were separated from God as individuals, but have been called into a loving relationship with their Heavenly Father. And that relationship with God has become more important than anything else in this world. And so, we come together, we bring the diversity of who we are together, and we worship our Savior. Jesus' community should represent the diversity of His people. Think about the early church. Think about the disciples that Jesus chose. Fishermen, tax collectors. We have Simon the Zealot. These are not people that would generally be drawn together and hang out with one another. And then just for good measure, so God could make sure that we really understand that he wants a diversity of people, he saves a Pharisee who was running around killing their believers of the early church and says, hey, yeah, you too, you're going to be one of the leaders in the church. God is glorified by bringing a diversity of people together, and God used that group of people to start His church. What can He use this group of people to do? We don't have unity, love and fellowship because everything and everyone here is the same. We have unity and fellowship because we have Christ, and that is enough. That's what Ephesians 3:10 means. That in Christ, we as the church can make known the manifold wisdom of our God. We can make known his plan of redemption. And that everyone in this world will rejoice. The angels and the hosts of heaven will rejoice. And they will know the wisdom of God's perfect plan to redeem a people for himself. Because Christ has brought us out of our sin and brought us together as his church because Christ has done that for us that is why we gather together to celebrate the Lord's supper and ultimately it looks forward to that day when we will all sit around the throne of God worshiping and exalting him and in that day our brothers and sisters from the Korah church will be there men and women that we have never met. In that day, people that have been affected by the ministry of this church that we never knew about, we'll get to meet them. We'll get to praise our Heavenly Father with them. And we will get to glorify God for all eternity. Not because of who we are, but because God chose to use broken, sinful people to draw us together into his body, into his bride, the church, and to have us be the vehicle for which he would make his manifold wisdom known to the world. So when we gather together, that's the kind of community we need to be. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper tonight, that's what we need to be challenging ourselves and thinking about. As we think about the body of that was broken for us, to bring us back to God. We need to be challenged that, Lord, what can we do to make that plan known to the world around us so that we can feast together forever and eternity worshiping our Lord and Savior together. At this time, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper.